Welcome everyone to episode four of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm your host, Stacia Harris. Today I'm joined by Molly McGowan-Gorsuch with Henderson County Public Schools. Welcome, Molly. Hey, Stacia. Thank you so much for having me today. So today we have a very relevant and engaging conversation to share with our fellow PR professionals. We're chatting with Krista Majet. She's an award-winning public relations professional and advocate for service, strategic communications, and collaboration. And today when we talked with Kristen, we did talk a lot about some soft skills, some things that we can do in our own lives um, to really work on our self-care and notice things that support wellness. But it's also really important to seek professional help if you are experiencing some serious stress, some crisis. And what I recommend personally from my own experience as well is seek out that help before you actually start redlining important point to make. So thank you, Molly, and let's get into the show. All right. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about your your story of discovering the importance of wellness and how you came about with K-12 PR Well Movement? Sure. Um, well, you know, it really, like so many things, it doesn't necessarily all make sense until you look at it in retrospect in the in the rearview mirror. Um, and so this story actually goes back to like 2015, 2016. Um, and in 2016, my family had a lot of um, losses. My husband's twin sister passed away. Um, our dog died. Our priest died. We had a lot of things going on, um, especially in the first half of the year. And, um, you know, I'm aware enough of mental health that I knew that grief would take time to heal, that we weren't going to just, I mean, we were kind of staggering around <laughs> trying to, trying to get through a really difficult time for our family. Um, and, and I knew that that was normal, right? So I, I didn't think that there was anything terribly wrong, but you know, ab about a year, like that November, 2016, December, and then into the new year of 2017, I found myself getting draggier and draggier. Um, I found myself unable to complete like simple things at work were just like, you know, I needed to update something on the website, like the calendar on the website. Um, and at the time I was a community, I should have said this, I was a communications director um, for our local public school district in a one person shop, a job that at that point I'd done for like 10 years. Um, so it was, it was very straightforward. The things too that I really loved about my work going out to a school um, or, uh, you know, taking pictures at, a, at an event, those things that usually get us jazzed up. Um, I just was, I had to physically force myself, just force of will to get out of my chair, go get in my car, go somewhere and do it. And I just knew that wasn't me. And I kept thinking, well, maybe this is grief. Maybe grief, take, you know, grief takes time. Um, but what I learned over the next kind of year is I, kind of got back to normal, you know, started taking on, I, you know, wrote a book uh, that published, my first book published the end of 2015. So I was sort of in that book excitement of speaking at NSPRA and looking for opportunities to share um, in webinars and that kind of thing. So doing kind of a side hustle, um, if for lack of a better word, just excited about my book and sharing, um, sharing about social media in schools, which was pretty un uncommon in those days. Um, 
And so I was adding those things on. I signed on to, to teach an online class that we recorded um, and then hustled that. And so I was adding a lot of these things to my life and just thinking like, I was just feeling like I just go, go, go. And um, it wasn't until, you know, another six months passed and another six months. And I just am realizing that I'm just not well, like there's just something that is not working out. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at that, there was just a lack of willingness, I think on my part to realize that I wasn't getting better. Cause I always come back to, I love school PR. Like how lucky am I to get to work in this awesome job? Um, I was getting invitations to, sh to speak at school PR events. I was getting um, invitations to guest blog for Enspren. Just all of these things felt so good. It was praise kind of thing. Uh, or, you know, so it was lighting up one part of my brain while the rest of my brain was like screaming for help. But it was easy for me to sort of ignore that. Um, or it was hard for me to, to, to shift uh, and focus on, on something else. And um, it was in the spring of 2017. I actually remember the day. Um, Sean McKillop, who's a uh, school PR Enspra uh, leader in Canada, he and I had become friends actually over his APR. He was, I helped review his APR, some of his APR stuff. Um, and we just got to know each other. And every now and then we would chat on the phone um, and we happened to be talking and he had had a really bad week um, in school PR. Like, and I think he had, it, he mentioned it was, you know, one of those weeks where it was just a laundry list of things. And we got to talking on the phone and he was like, I just feel like I need to go home and stare at the wall. Uh, it's just, you know, I, like I just can't quite get there. And as we started, it was really just the genesis of a conversation that he and I started to have. Like, wow, I felt that way too. Like, I, I, I can relate to that. And it was like his vulnerability and my vulnerability kind of met. And we realized that maybe there's something to this. And it's like, we need to talk about this again, like in a few weeks. And so we just, as we started talking, we um, thought maybe we need to, you know, write something with this, or maybe we need to, like, there's some, if it's the two of us, maybe there's other people who feel this way. Um, and so that really became uh, the start of a conversation that we took to um, ANSPRA in Anaheim, um, the seminar in Anaheim in 2018. And um, so I guess that was 2018. Anyway, we wrote something. He blogged about it on a member blog, an ANSPRA member blog. And then we connected with Rich Bagan at ANSPRA and said, we really feel like there's something to this. And we'd like to work with our social work colleagues that we have in our school district to put together like a helpful brochure <laughs> or something that we can distribute. We got great support from Enspra. They printed our flyers. We spent the rest, like all of the Anaheim seminar, sneaking them through doors and asking presenters if they would hand them out. Or can I say two cents at the end? I was putting them around the women's restroom in the hotel. Um, <laughs> we just trying to get them in hand. Um, and you know, the, in many ways, the rest is history, um, in terms of the way the conversation has taken off, um, the opportunities that we've had to share at NSPRA and with so many school PR groups, including NCSPRA and SCSPRA last, uh, November, I was there. Um, but you know, between Sean's and my conversation with each other and with different school PR colleagues, and then just my own therapy, I, um, because of grief, I think I felt more 
uh, safe saying I need to see a therapist because it's like, of course, it was a really terrible year. In the process of therapy and these conversations, I also realized that I just couldn't sustain my wellness and work in my school PR job. Um, and so it really became, there were some other crazy things that happened in there. Uh, my husband or my husband, my son ended up in the hospital unexpectedly. It's just all of this crazy stuff. Um, but it's like the universe was just saying, it's time to take a breath and step back. And Leslie Bruinton, who's the ENSPR president right now, um, actually was the one who said, and this is so Leslie, she said, you know, like on American, or, or uh, what's it called? Ninja. Uh, American Ninja, Ninja Warrior. Warrior. That, American Ninja Warrior. She's like, at the end, with the big challenge, everybody like takes a few steps back before they run for that wall. And she's like, maybe this is your chance to take a few steps back so you can do the next big thing. Um, and so I did have an opportunity to, I work, uh, from home, which in 2018 was actually a cool thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Please be out of my house. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what's brought me to here. And I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to continue these conversations, even working, um, in my other job, which is an engineering firm. Awesome. And I know that's how I met you actually. Um, and you, you brought up a few things that really made me think of my experience at INSPRA. Um, was it just a year ago or it seems like forever? It was in DC. Yeah. It was in DC. And, um, you, you mentioned vulnerability and I think that is what, that's what got me, I think, into that room. Um, I, I had an hour that I hadn't already segmented off to go do a million things. And cause again, in my brain, I'm like, I'm here. I have to spend all of my time doing all of the things in order to make myself a better communicator. Um, and I almost didn't come to the wellness thing because I'm like, that's not, that's for me. That's not for my district. That's not something I should be wasting my time on. And then I thought, well, you know, heck why not? Um, and then I remember that being one of the most powerful hours because it, your vulnerability and Sean's vulnerability made me kind of really think this is, I'm feeling these stages of burnout. And I'm only at that time, I was only four and a half years in to school PR. And the idea where I felt like, yes, I can keep burning the candle at both ends, but for how long and should I have to? Um, and is that really expected of me or is that, an expectation I've put on myself. And now, now that I've made that expectation, that's what everybody thinks, you know, is the standard. So that made me really start thinking about, Hey, I'm the only one who's been putting these really restrictive um, behaviors on myself and kind of making myself rethink um, the conversations I'm having with others and with myself and noticing things about my own life. And yeah, I uh, broke down and cried in that session. And it was a really powerful, um, it was a really powerful session. And that's why I, I so wanted to have you come back to NC Sprint. I'm so glad you were there. And I'm so glad you're joining with us today. Yeah, well, and you said something, Molly, that I think is one of those myths that if I could, Sean and I actually met this morning um, because we're, we're trying to keep K-12 PR well alive, even though we're losing our minds with our lives and our busy, <laughs> you know, work and everything else. Um, but if there was one takeaway, um, one of my only things that I want people to understand is that your wellness, Molly, actually matters to your district so much more than we think we give ourselves, we give it credit for, right? So that you said, you know, this is about me. It's not about my district. That that's actually, your district needs, 
your district, your employer, you know, whoever's listening to this, your employer needs you to be at your best and your employer deserves to have you at your best. Bosses mm-hmm. want you, want us to be functioning at the highest level we can. And so it really does become, when I, when I started thinking about it that way, it was like, goodness, the, you know, I've been selling my, my employer short in, in, in many ways, not taking better care of myself and being more realistic about, you know, the limits of my ability as a, frankly, as a human being. <laughs> you know, doing school PR, I think, and obviously listening to Molly and, and Kristen in my own experience, you don't realize that you're, you're the center of the universe in some ways. Um, and I don't mean that, you know, I mean, I, I am Wonder Woman and I am the center of the universe, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> but so many people rely on you in so many unique ways. And so, you know, Molly, when you're saying, oh, you know, it's not, it's not for me. I mean, I think Kristen's so right. We, as school communicators, have to make sure we're, we're taking care of ourselves and carving out time for ourselves because not only are so many people relying on us, but we've got to be absolutely have an A, an a game, um, especially if we're dealing with a crisis and, and a core function of who we are is to represent our school system and, and be able to navigate sometimes very choppy waters. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't do that well. Well, and I think to your point, Stacia, um, one of the things that we say a lot in our presentations, and it's because we, I believe it to my core, is that people who are sitting in a school PR office, you are, we are shock absorbers. Um, and the trauma that's coming at you, that you, you've got a principal who had a, a teacher come to work drunk, or you have a, a you know, a family whose house burned down, or, you know, you've got all of this really, really traumatic stuff. And it's all coming through your office. And your role is to reduce the trauma for the people receiving the information. And so you are, like, I have goosebumps talking about this, because it's just so, it's so clear to me, um, in a way that it never, it really wasn't when I was working in the profession. Um, you are absorbing that trauma to benefit your, your community. But, you know, I've, we've got cars, I've got two cars in the driveway. Like eventually if you keep running over potholes and bumpy roads and like driving off the curb and all that, you're gonna have to replace your shocks. (laughs) Like they don't last forever. Um, So I think that it, it is unique in many ways to school PR, just the level of um, hits that you get uh, in the course of a day or a week. So what I think was a shift for me is acknowledging one you're right that in order to be my best in a given crisis situation or when the district really needs me i need to prioritize my wellness but i also was under the false assumption that that wasn't valued i I don't think i'd given my employer the benefit of the doubt that they actually wanted the same thing for me because I hadn't opened up about it. And yes. so now one of the things I've been really intentional about is talking about wellness and also not as a general concept, but like what that looks for me, uh, looks like for me. So uh, I remember coming home from this conference and saying, you know, I um, sometimes feel like I'm burning the candle both ends. And my boss said, well, we need you at your best. So when you need a mental health day, take it. And that just blew my mind because I'm like, he's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Why am I not having these conversations more often? And I think if we can just come around to the idea that 
you know, we don't have to live in silos. We can have these conversations. We can normalize these conversations. And that we want the same things, right? Yeah. That we really do. If we can come at these conversations with them, with the mindset that this is good for both parties, then it changes the sort of resistance to, oh, this is going to go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> um, you know, if we can start to think about what, how it benefits our manager or our boss um, and and feel secure in that. I think it's really, I think that's really powerful. So we're, we all can relate to, uh, you know, this world where we are the, the center of so many things going on and uh, we want to go into a break, but after the break, we want to um, loop in COVID and how this has made an already very uh, challenging career even more challenging. So stay with us, everyone. We'll be back after the break. We hope you're enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time, the NC Spirit podcast about driving the narrative forward in support of public education. Early access to this podcast is one of the many member benefits we offer you and your school district when you're joining NC Spirit. From engaging professional development to the recognition of your talent through the Blue Ribbon Awards program, membership has its benefits. We encourage you to follow us on social media and help spread the word about what it means to be a member of a school public relations organization that supports the mission of everyone in North Carolina public schools. Share this program with a friend or colleague today and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, everyone. Stacia Harris and Molly McGowan-Gorsuch here speaking with Kristen Majette about how busy our lives are as K-12 PR pros. And, and we know things are, are tricky during normal times, but um, now we've layered a pandemic on top of an already uh, very challenging day-to-day career. Uh, Kristen, tell us a, a little bit more. I mean, h- how has, from, from your view, how has the pandemic really changed the game for, for a lot of us in this industry? Oh gosh, like where to begin? Um, <laughs> I, I think the reality is, is that work is hard. And, you know, school PR was hard before the pandemic. And the complication has been just exponential. Um, because everyone is struggling. Life is too much. School is too much. Back to school is too much. I have two kids in school. My husband teaches. Like, it's all hard. Um, And, you know, so work is hard because life is hard in many ways. You know, school PR is one of those that whatever is happening culturally or in your community comes to rest in your office. So the fact that the pandemic is so challenging and there's so much compounded grief um, over things that we've lost, you know, even just things like graduation or prom or, you know, these, these, you know, kindergarten roundup, whatever those things are. Um, We've lost going to restaurants. There's so many things that we've lost. So there's that compounding grief. There's a cognitive load of having to be concerned about things that we never had to pay attention to before. So all of these come at a cost. And I think the reality is, um, we are, as a, as a nation, really, um, experiencing this pretty universally, regardless of what our jobs are. Um, life is just very heavy. And I think that has been, in addition to the demands of your work, that has been the thing that I've noticed is that there's, there's really just a universally, there's a universal feeling of this is hard. And nobody, I don't care how much money you have, where you live, anything, you don't get out of the, this is hard. Um, And so to me, where that leads is that I think there's been 
more of a normalizing of the conversation of saying, I'm not okay. And, you know, when I go back to what, you know, some of the key things that I want someone to hear when we talk, uh, whether it's a presentation or a podcast or anything else, or just a phone call, is that the, the hardest thing, the biggest thing, the thing that is really the biggest barrier is the very first thing. And that is saying or realizing I'm really not okay. Um, you know, the, the reality is we know scientists tell us that we are hardwired, like genetically hardwired to resist change um, because we would choose a known misery over an unknown, oh no, what might that be? Even if we are miserable, we would choose that because we know it. And so the idea of saying I'm not okay and maybe I need to seek help or maybe I need to you know, reduce the amount of alcohol I'm drinking or, or whatever. I mean, it can be so many, or maybe I need to go for a walk every day. Overcoming that barrier to change is big and hard. What I think has been good about this time is that more of us have been talking about it, which then kind of reduces a little bit that resistance, I think, to being able to say like, gosh, I am not okay. Um, I was having a conversation in June with a coworker who lives in New York City, and she's in her late 20s and was holed up in her um, apartment doing the, the proposal writing. She's one of the writers. She and I are colleagues. And I could tell that she was just off and she was irritable, and which is not like her at all. And I finally uh, just texted her and said like, okay, so I can tell you're kind of off. Are you someone who prefers like a kick in the pants? Or are you someone who like the more kicks in the pants you get, the more overwhelmed you get? Like, do you get paralyzed or do you need a pep talk? Right. Um, just to, to get the, to gather it a little bit. And especially understanding that she's in New York City where there's morgues outside right. her house on the street. There's a lot. And she said, you know, I said, do you feel like your plate is just too full? And she said, you know, what I feel like is that my plate is smaller somehow. Like, I don't know how to explain it if that makes any sense. And I thought that was like a moment of really, really deep wisdom to me. Mm -hmm. um, because what that says is that the things that I used to be able to do well, or even just do and not think about all, it, I, I can't do them all. I can't think about all the things I used to think about. I can't hold in my head all the things I used to hold in my head. I can't execute in the way I'm slow. I'm, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think that that was really a moment where I thought, this is, this is part of this conversation of what's happening in a pandemic is that we're starting to realize that the plate size changes. And when there's more, you know, looking back when my, when we had those, those deaths in our family, our plates were so small and just being able to understand and picture that there are going to be times in our lives where the normal stuff is too much. And then there's going to be times in our lives that the normal stuff also leaves time for like something extra. Um, and so I do think that, that what the pandemic has allowed more of us to do is to talk about it openly and I hope um, start to get over that hard wiring of like, oh, I don't know, if I say something, it's scarier than staying in my miserable state um, or it's riskier, um, which is like faulty wiring in our brains, but it's just the way that we're wired. Um, so yes, I definitely think, you know, the pandemic has been incredibly difficult and and I see my school PR friends 
by the dozens. And sometimes I think I have hundreds on my Facebook feed <laughs> and I do not envy any of the work you're doing right now. It is incredibly hard. It's also incredibly important. Um, and so, you know, just being able to look at it and say, this is unbelievably hard. There's no sugarcoating this. Sugarcoating will just make the hard last longer. <laughs> um, you know, really just speaking truth to it and, and finding someone that you can say that to, to say like, holy smokes, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Sometimes just speaking those words helps us settle down a little bit, calm down. So it helps you process. I, I like yeah. your, I like the plate is smaller analogy. Um, I used, and I picked this up actually from my boss, um, bandwidth. Um, mm -hmm. And he's, he's like, I don't know if you have the bandwidth right now for this, uh, protect your bandwidth. And that's something that I've been trying to think of more often. And then not just at work, but also how does that translate into my work-life balance? And why am I giving myself such grief for not being able to do maybe all the intense workouts I've wanted to do or used to be able to do, plus all the meal planning, plus the laundry at home, plus the work, plus everything. It's like, it's okay to cut yourself a little slack because we're in an, well, as much as I hate this phrase these days, unprecedented times. <laughs> what I wouldn't well, give for like a precedented time yeah. right now. Like this precedent. is so precedented. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we totally know how to do this. Or we're so bored with all the precedented stuff we're doing. Yeah. I, I've seen other school PR professionals support their wellness, but also check in on each other. Like you were just saying you did with your colleague. Um, more so I see a lot of people on Twitter and that that's something that's been really helpful for me is just reaching out and having people even DM me. Um, uh, people text me saying, Hey, I know this has been a really hard week for you. Uh, people even in, in the school system, um, who know that this is a tough time. And I think those, those touch points and those connections are really important, but I definitely think that in the school PR world, I've seen folks really start to talk a little bit more, not just about wellness as a generalized idea, but what they're doing, like taking those walks and making sure they actually do take their lunch breaks away from the screen. Um, Mm -hmm. like little practical things that are helping them. And I think that that's helped support, you know, the nation. Definitely. And, yeah, um, definitely. OPR folks. Yeah. So Molly, you, you kind of got us going to our, our question. So our next question, which is what are some things that, that we can do as we're dealing with small plates and, and things that are far from precedented and, and just a world that in a sense feels just so turned upside down. Um, what do we do and how do we cope? Well, and I think that in some ways these apply to, we all have times in our lives where it feels like the world is turned upside down whether it is family conflict or, um, you know, an illness in our family or, you know, that, so yes, the pandemic is unprecedented, but what I'm about to share really does apply to times in your life when it is just, everything is too much. Um, and you, you know, you're, you're trying to navigate the impossible, which, you know, whether that's a divorce or an you know, a dying a loved one or somebody with a, with a disease. So there are so many reasons why um, we might need these, these uh, strategies, but I want first to say that, and I think I mentioned this earlier, but I really believe that there are certain 
parts of PR, and I would definitely say school PR is at the top of this list, that I would consider or I would want us to consider as like a high performance athlete. Um, you know, you're not, it's not, you're not dabbling, <laughs> you know, you are on the front of the front edge of really difficult situations, really difficult decisions. And so, um, you know, you are really operating at a much, at a very, very high kind of premier rate. Um, and so when it, you know, when it gets to be too much or when, you know, you reach that point that you're like, goodness, I'm not okay. You have the courage to even just say to yourself, Ooh, I am struggling. Um, this is worse than I know what to do with. Um, I think, you know, there are, uh, certain things that we know help. Um, we know not because Kristen did this in her house or not because Sean suggested Kristen did this, but you know, they're generally, they're general practices of wellness that are, um, that come from experts, mental health experts. Um, one of the most important things is monitoring your stress from day to day. And this is kind of a cool thing that came up. I work in proposal writing, which is actually a really, I found one, I traded one high performance athlete job for another because suddenly now we're competing for like $30 million contracts and you can't make, <laughs> there's just, it's a whole other, it's a whole other creature in terms of high stakes. Um, but, you know, uh, our team was talking and we said, you know, it's just too bad because sometimes we don't realize that the stress is getting to us until it's too late and you just got to like tap out. Um, and so we said, it's almost like we wish we could track, like I'm having a green day or I'm having a yellow day. And it's not related to like, I have a lot of things to do. So I'm having a bad day or I have, sometimes you have a lot of things to do and you're just like, you know, pew, 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 getting them all done. <laughs> and then there's other days where you don't have a lot to do, but you just feel like you can't do any of it. And so, you know, being able to monitor where your stress thermometer is, this is a, a term that we used in uh, that. Sean and I have used several times, we got it from one of our social worker um, leader friends. Um, she said, you know, make sure that you're paying attention to your stress thermometer and the little symptoms that you have, the little signs like a furrowed brow or gosh, the end of the day, my neck gets so tight or, um, you know, my sleep is disrupted. Those kinds of things, if we can notice our stress response at that level, we can stave off the more severe stages and the more progressive stages of, um, of chronic workplace stress, which is what eventually chronic workplace stress without sufficient intervention is what leads to burnout. So we're not talking about burnout if you have a red day. Um, burnout is a thing that happens after really long untreated chronic stress. Um, and I want to so, for a second, Kristen, if yeah. I could, I want to kind of dig into the I guess, color coding your days, mm -hmm. green, yellow, red. Can you very briefly give us a couple of examples of what is a green day and what's a yellow sure. day and what's a red day? Sure. To me, a green day is like, I'm just, I'm in flow and I, it, you know, send me what you need because I can take care of it and I'm checking things off my list or I'm, you know, whatever those things are, I'm in my zone and I'm feeling at the end of the day, I may be tired, but I don't feel like I've just been beaten. Um, you know, I still have some, some bandwidth or plate space or whatever for, <laughs> for my family. Maybe I'm looking forward to, to going out to eat and not in pandemic time um, or having a movie night or, or what that, whatever that is. It's not, I don't feel like I've been just completely beat. Um, a yellow day, you're sort of on the edge where it's like, 
I'm getting close to maybe feeling overwhelmed, but I'm not there yet. And I'm going to keep an eye on these couple of things and I might need to call in help or I might need to delay something or I might need to schedule another meeting. But you're, you're kind of in that, you know, you're still functioning, you still feel connected and productive, but you don't, uh, but you're kind of on the edge of thinking I might need to, I'm, this might become too much. Red is feeling paralyzed feeling like for me, it would, it would be something where I just, my emotions are just all over the place and sort of just all on my face and like rushing down my cheeks. <laughs> like it's, and I'm like, what's my problem? Um, and you know, that's probably happening in a private way, but still right. it's like, I can tell that I'm just, there's very little regulation um, of my emotions and anything, like even something little can just set me, you know, I just feel my nervous system is just all over the place. Um, so that, that would be how I would characterize it. And, you know, frankly, when my team was discussing uh, this, you know, red or, you know, green, yellow, red, someone said, you know, there's also black and black mm -hmm. is when you get to the point where, you know, it's a, it's a real crisis of, mm -hmm. she said, you know, I was working on a team once and we got, we were in red for quite a while. And then people started having like actual, like physical accidents that right. they wouldn't normally have. So, right. you know, our bodies and our nervous systems can become compromised to the point that it really is like an actual risk to our health. Um, so, you know, I actually, and I'll give an example. I actually encountered this a few weeks ago. I didn't anticipate it. Um, but I'd been working on a team that was really, really, it was intense work. And we'd been working some through the weekend and day and night. And it was a lot of moving things. And there was, there were some things that accelerated the burnout sort of surprise. Now we got to do this and now this doesn't work. And so it was just, it was a, it was very intense and my nervous system just got overwhelmed. And um, I, we hadn't had a conversation. We'd only talked about green, yellow, and red, like a few days before, and we hadn't told our manager. And so, cause we were like, this would be a great idea, but we hadn't like briefed her on it. And so, but I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm having a red day and I have to tell my boss, but I don't know, I don't know what to do. So I texted one of my writers and that to me is the very first thing. Tell someone when you are having, when you are in that, like, I'm really about to lose it. Like, I'm not sure that I can keep this act together even for another five minutes. Um, the very most important thing is to tell someone. Connectedness is one of the most important elements of well-being. And the longer we think, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I'm so alone, nobody will understand, or everybody else is stressed. This is one of the lies we tell ourselves. Everyone else is so stressed, like they can't help me. They have no, they, they won't be able to help. I'm just gonna be burdening them with my meltdown. Um, all of those are lies. Mm -hmm. Um, because ultimately you are on a team, even if you're, and I was a one person shop. So I get that. Like some people are like, yeah, no, I'm actually not on a team. <laughs> um, you are, you have a boss, your boss has probably a secretary. Um, you have, you know, the food service director might be next door. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a PR team. You are surrounded by people who number one, care about you. And number two, care about the work that you do. And they see the work that you do. They may not understand it and they not, may not be able to do it themselves, but they care about it. And so telling someone is absolutely the most important thing. And from there, I started in this particular day, I did, so I took some very specific steps that were things that I've learned over the last few years helped me. But I would say that these are pretty universal in terms of 
understanding our nervous systems. Number one, I reduced sounds. <laughs> I like silenced everything. Um, and I, uh, you know, turned off my camera on WebEx calls that we were having. Um, you know, anything I could do, the less I was seeing and hearing, the more I was able to restore kind of some peace in my nervous system. Buzzes and dings and flashing screens is going to hit our nervous system and we get these flashes of dopamine and it's like too much. We just can't do it. Um, so I took away, I, you know, I turned off even more notifications than I usually have turned off, like, which is mostly all of them, but I, even the last ones I turned off, um, turned off my WebEx camera. I limited large group interaction as much as possible. So like we had big team meetings with like 15 people and I avoided them. Um, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings, which felt really good. I was surprised at how re rejuvenating those were as compared to overwhelming with the large team calls where you don't know who's going to say what, and it's like more uncertainty. Um, I walked away. I let the project manager that I was working with at the time, um, know that like, I am like, not good. I'm not good. And he said, you know, do what, what do you need to do? Do you, you know, what is it? I said, you know, I just need a half an hour. I'm going to walk away from my office and I'm not going to take my phone. And I just like, uh, I'll talk to you afterwards. I like, I, I can't, I, this isn't going to end well if I don't, if I don't uh, do this. And he was like, no, that's good. That's good. And I went in the other room and I laid down and closed my eyes, not to sleep, but like to get more and more stimulus out of my, out of me. Um, and I just, I don't remember. I just was quiet. Um, I would say another thing that I've done in different circumstances have been just to get outside sometimes to take a walk or move around sometimes to just be still. I have a deck and the trees are pretty big around me. And sometimes I will literally just sit on my deck and stare at the leaves on the tree. Um, and appreciate that. Um, I will, uh, you know, getting away from anything that's going to be buzzing or dinging at me, silencing my Apple watch, turning off notifications or, you know, putting it in do not disturb is best. You can do it for an, even an hour at a time, which I love. Um, and then this is actually really one of the coolest things. I learned this from my therapist and it is like my parlor trick of wellness. This is so cool. One of the things, and I don't know, maybe other people are like me, the more stressed out I get, the more amped up and I start to move faster and faster and talk faster and do everything faster. <laughs> That's me. And when I notice, oh, right. I don't think I'm the only one. No. I notice when I notice that, or even on a day when it's good, but I'm, I know I'm moving really fast. Um, I will move in slow motion. So like I walk in the other room to, to fill up my water cup about 27 times a day and I will like walk slowly and I will like unscrew the lid slowly. I'll turn the water on slowly and I can feel my whole body slow down. Um, I will, if I'm, sometimes if I'm washing my hands, I'll like, if I'm doing this and like going super fast, wash my hands so I can get back to the thing, I like slow my hands down while I'm washing. And I feel, and it's, it almost makes me laugh out loud every time because I'm like, oh my gosh, my body loves that. Like just going slowly um, in a comical almost way, walking slowly. If I'm writing something down like a grocery list, I'll like make myself write slowly. These are all ways that we can reconnect our body and our brain together but in a very soothing, slow, slower pace. It's just awesome. Um, the last thing I want to say, though, is that there are times, so what I've been talking about is the day-to-day -day stuff. 
Um, there are times when it is an intense effort. Maybe it was getting back to school or maybe it was a really bad board meeting or maybe it was getting ready for, um, you know, maybe you have a, an outbreak in one of your schools that you're dealing with and you're just like, oh, or maybe it's not a pandemic and you've had a murder or a child uh, abuse case or, or, you know, these different things, a racism issue that blew up and got really intense. Um, these are times that you really need to be realistic about the recovery during and after these intense periods of effort, um, which are happening during pandemic, but also happen outside of that. Um, and this is where I really go back to the idea of being a high performance athlete. You know, after Megan Rapino is in the, you know, championship game or Michael Phelps is swimming a gold medal race, I guarantee you that they don't like go home the next day and go to the grocery store and then go to Costco and then come back and make dinner. Like, what do high performance athletes, like the tip top high performance athletes do after, you know, when they need to recover from a major, major competition? My guess is I've never known any of these people, <laughs> but my guess is, is that they sleep, number one, they pay attention to what they're eating and drinking. They rest, which is not the same as sleep, um, at, but they rest and like don't do anything all day, maybe. But they also have a whole support team in place to make sure of those things. They're probably doing, you know, like rehab and all these different things for their muscles and they're, I don't know, taking injections of, of vitamin C or whatever they do. Um, but they have a whole support team and they accept that help. So when you have gone through a really, you're just run into the ground ragged. Um, when you've gone through a period of time like that, think about, you know, what would Megan Rapinoe do? <laughs> and when you think about yourself that way, I think it's a lot more easy to, it's a lot easier to be compassionate to yourself and to say, it's okay if I don't do anything today. It's okay if the most I've accomplished today is that I gave the dog a bath um, all day long. Um, <laughs> and so being understanding and compassionate and gentle with yourself your body is telling you it needs to rest. And, you know, I, I make a joke with my husband that I'm really good at driving on the freeway, but I'm terrible at exiting. <laughs> like I have like, I crash exit off the freeway, not in real life, but like the freeway of stress, I crash exit. Like, like I mean, I'm like spinning out and, and rolling the car and bursting into flames. That's how I know like a Saturday, if I'm like a mess all day on Saturday, um, it's because I didn't exit very well. Right. I didn't let myself slow down. I just expected that, okay, now I'm done with that stressful time. Oh, I can't wait to go to the fair and go to the farmer's market and do all this. Like, no, Kristen, you have got to like slow down right. on the exit lane or on the exit ramp, um, or you're going to have a, a, a big, big old crash. Um, I think that is, has, that's definitely something that I've been working on throughout this time and it's been really helpful is being intentional about rest. And like you said, it's not the same as sleep um, because I, I've, and, and protecting those times in a way, like I hate to say scheduling rest, but Ooh, or no. scheduling non-schedules. So I'm always the friend in the group that will want to plan everything out. And so um, I've been trying for the last few weekends of just have an open schedule and no, this is, I don't have anything down and I refuse to schedule anything because because I want to be able to just roll with it. And a lot of times that just means reading in the back, like on the back deck, like you said, and 
I went in, well, and to, to your point, I, this past weekend was one of my, like, I needed to go super slow or I would have a crash. Mm -hmm. Um, and I needed, we had like a bunch of apples that we'd picked off a tree that were actually pretty gnarly looking apples. And so I needed to make applesauce. I sat in the kitchen and I thought, well, I'll peel the apples and put them in the crock pot and make applesauce. It took me like two and a half hours to peel Mm -hmm. these apples. And I was going, and I just kept thinking, why am I not done yet? But I was sitting and it was almost probably Zen kind of, mm-hmm. you know, mind clearing, peeling these apples, chopping them, putting them in the pot um, and just giving myself permission to go slowly and not rush through peeling the apples and them all. But I, there's all these other things I want to do. Um, so, yes, I think having unscheduled time and, and really honoring that, mm-hmm. honoring that you haven't scheduled anything with your friends or honoring that you're going to take you're going to spend all afternoon in the kitchen making something really easy um, because it's a way to be slow. Um, I think those are really important ways for us to think about how we use our time. And I want to kind of throw in one more thought before we wrap up today. You know, as you were speaking, I I think we've got some amazing metaphors to work with. I I definitely feel like the Serena Williams of school PR. So just so you know, (laughs) I I know nothing about tennis, but yeah, that I'll go, we'll go with that metaphor. So um, as you were talking, you know, I was sort of reflecting on kind of what my day looks like and, and what my personal life looks like. I'm, I'm back in school. And so when I'm done at this really stressful job, I go home and write papers or I read textbooks. And so, um, I, I think in, in closing, one thought I would love to add is, I think we need to learn to say no. We need to know what our color is. And if we're riding on yellow or red, when people come to you with fill in the blank, I think we've got to, to be really intentional and comfortable saying either no or I can't get to that right now, dot, dot, dot. We'll get it in some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the color coding, what I like about it is that, and we're, I think we're going to use a spreadsheet because I think it's not just about what's my color today, but what was it yesterday and the day before? Because if we've had, if we're having like two weeks of green and then in the middle of there, we've got like a red day. Okay. We're probably still doing just fine. But if we've had like two weeks of yellow, 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 green, green, yellow, 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 green, yellow, yellow, there's a red coming. Um, And so being able to understand not just in a micro, but in more of a, a kind of stretching that out a little bit to really pay attention, you know, to your point, Stacia, pay attention to what your, how big your plate is or what your bandwidth is and, and honor that, um, you know, I think for a long time, I did think that I, that, that superheroes existed in school PR <laughs> and that they looked like the three of us, I think. <laughs> um, but the reality is, is that we're people and um, our lives demand a lot from us and we can't get to a point where our work takes away from what our life demands. Um, and it will take, it will take everything you give it. I mean, like, it's, it's like the monster that if you just, if you keep feeding it, it's not going to fill up, it's going to keep taking more. And so, you know, really setting that, that stance that these things in my life are important and I'm going to protect these, whether that's graduate school or um, something with your family or with a, an elderly person or, you know, whatever those things are, exercise, these things really, these, I can't give these up. Um, and it's important to know that and to honor and and to encourage each other to do the same. Couldn't have said it better myself. Krista Majette, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. 
thank you for the invitation. I had such a good time at NCSPRA um, and it was, it was great to catch up a little bit with you ladies. And I just, I appreciate your, your effort and, and your interest in staying well and helping your members stay well. Wow, Molly, that was an amazing conversation with Kristen Majed. And, and something that uh, we mentioned uh, after we had wrapped it that we definitely want to, to talk about right now is uh, the last tip that, that Kristen gave us was sometimes taking a bubble bath isn't enough. Sometimes you need to seek professional help. And so we really want to, to stress that right now in the after show. Uh, help for yourself. If you notice your colleagues seem to be struggling, uh, reach out to them and maybe reach out and get some help for them. Um, I think, you know, mental health is, is so important and it's so critical and, and we can't, we can't be afraid to, again, get ourselves the professional help we need and also make sure our colleagues are doing the same. Yep. It's all about advocating for yourself. Absolutely. So, so what we did learn, you know, things that we can do uh, on a, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, again, this is a great conversation with Kristen. I think she gave us some awesome pointers and, and tips and knowledge. And I think one thing that stood out to me the most was not being afraid to say I'm not okay and not being afraid to just tap the brakes on everything as much as you can and, and really prioritize and, and focus where your focus needs to be. And um, I loved her analogy for, for making applesauce. Sometimes you just have to make applesauce and sometimes it just takes three hours and that's that's okay too. That's okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> Molly, what was one of your um, big takeaways? I loved the analogy of the red, yellow, green. Um, she and I had talked before about noticing things in your body and things in your life where, where you are feeling tense. But sometimes that tension, you know, when you're looking at it, at, like she said, it's sort of a map macro lens is not it's not a big it's not a big as deal on Monday as it might have been on on maybe last Thursday um, and so something that normally would take uh, you would take a lot of joy in and pleasure and something fun about your job if it's if it's really kind of just blah and you're not enjoying it that might be a sign that might be a mm-hmm. sign that you're kind of on a yellow day and you, you should you should pay attention to what's going on and so that is something that I'm gonna need to do better do better at in my own life and and I love that she mentioned tracking your green yellow red and maybe even black days I mean I think that I'm, I'm really glad she brought that up I think being able to look back and see a pattern and I love that she she said, you know, if you look back and it was a lot of green and maybe one or two yellows, things are okay. But if you look back on the last few weeks and it was a lot of yellow, a skosh of green, and, and you're feeling a couple of reds, you know, that's definitely a time to, to reevaluate what you're doing. And that's actually a conversation I've had here in my own home with my husband because he and I have both been noticing that we've, we, we've had some really good green days. We've, if they're weeks, they're, for us, they're like maybe two or three weeks and then we've hit like almost a whole red line in a whole, whole week. Yeah. And if, if it's cyclical, then maybe you can learn a little bit more about yourself by that introspection and by that tracking. Uh, you can kind of see and navigate what might be around the corner if you know that about your body. Awesome. So that, again, that was a great conversation with Kristen and we're going to leave some extra resources down in the show notes as well for, for folks to keep on reading and keep on learning and keep on growing because, uh, yeah, we, we, we in this for, for the long haul, girl. We, yeah, for oh the long my haul. God. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Of course. Awesome. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much for being my co-pilot on this episode. It was great to have you. Thank you.